You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Fosse Verdon from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. Welcome, listeners, to our miniseries, recapping episodes of FX's Emmy-winning limited series, Fosse Verdon. In the show, we see an inside look into two time periods on Broadway, a literally more historic Broadway where the characters reside, but hidden under that layer we find today's Broadway, through which our modern artists interpret that story. We're going back episode by episode to see what this love letter to vintage Broadway tells us about greater truths in the industry. So let's dive in and talk about episode two, Who's Got the Pain? Aaron, give us those stats. Who's Got the Pain premiered on April 16th, 2019. Like the pilot, it was written by Steven Levinson and directed by Tommy Kale. As always, the numbers featured in the episodes were choreographed by Bob Fosse himself, but were reconstructed by members of his artistic progeny. Dana Moore recreated the choreography to Who's Got the Pain and Whatever Lola Wants, and Lloyd Culbreth recreated the choreo and rehearsal staging for Two Lost Souls. All the featured songs in the episode, including Heart in addition to those previously mentioned, are all from the musical Damn Yankees, with music and lyrics by Richard Adler and Jerry Ross. Featured in the rehearsing cast of Damn Yankees are a legion of Broadway vets, including Ryan Vandenboom, Kyle Brown, Darian Crego, Haley Fish, Shanika Gooden, Afra Hines, Evan Kasperzak, and Adrian Lee. Rounding out the cast, performing Heart, are also Broadway's PJ Benjamin, Brian Kelly, Nick Blameyer, and Aaron Kaburik. The viewership for this episode was down from last week all across the board, with a live viewership of 425,000 and a DVR viewership of 597,000. The total viewership was 1.023 million, down 321,000 from the premiere. At least it's still in the millions, though. And what happens in this episode, Mo? During production of the film of Cabaret, Joan Simon is so glad that Gwen and Bobby have escaped to Mallorca with them for some time away together. 
but Gwen has been burned by Bob one too many times, cheated on so often that she practically has a script in place for how he will apologize. He doesn't see why he shouldn't be able to see his German translator girlfriend on set and then come home to Gwen and offers that she should be able to do the same. But Gwen isn't the cheating type, or at least she isn't now. We flash back to 1955, when Gwen learns that her new Broadway musical, a baseball-themed show called Damn Yankees, will be choreographed by a young talent named Bobby Fosse. She's concerned that he won't be dark enough for this modern-day Faust, but the producer promises her there's a real sense of humor in his work. Gwen swallows her pride and agrees to a work session with the young upstart. After making small talk about each other's significant others, Bob begins to teach Gwen the simple but seductive steps to whatever Lola wants. They bond over witty banter and their childhoods working in burlesque houses, and Gwen, obviously, lands the job. The new team quickly begins seducing each other in the rehearsal room as well as the bedroom, until it becomes too complicated for Gwen to be fooling around with her choreographer behind the back of his ailing wife. Things get more complicated when the damn Yankees producers threaten to cut Bob's Act 1 finale because it isn't landing with audiences in the show's pre-Broadway tryout in New Haven. Knowing he has to prove himself to both the creatives and the critics, he wakes up Gwen in the middle of the night and takes them both away from their respective spouses to get to work on a new number. Working through the night, Bob and Gwen are out of ideas. That is, until the pianist suggests a silly mambo, and Bob realizes that the lighthearted number can be a cover for characters in agony. Mm. And with that, who's got the pain is born. But while Bob is solving problems on stage and making a name for himself with Gwen as his new muse, Bob's current wife, Joan McCracken, lets Gwen know that this scene has been played out before, when Bob left his first wife for her. Ooh. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So we're in now. We're in. <laughs> we're in it now. I mean, let's, let's, okay, so we did what is it 32 episodes of smash uh-huh. so and this is only eight episodes so this is like being in episode five of season one oh. that's how fast we're getting catapulted into the story and yet it all works the amount of like meat in this episode is so good and satisfying just as tv oh, i loved this episode did you like this episode i really did like this episode too maybe because we didn't have to do so much establishing this episode is a little confusing, I think, because sure. even though when I read my description in like chunks of time periods, those are 
interspersed in the teleplay. There, oh, yeah. It's a lot of jumping around, for sure. But the ideas that are being presented throughout this episode mm-hmm. are so intelligently laid out yeah. that they make very excellent television, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. My first, my favorite, well... Do we finally get to say how good Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams are? Yes, go ahead. You are allowed to say that. They're fantastic. (laughs) They're so good and they're so grounded and they're so just compelling in these roles that like what I found most striking about the episode was that with the cliffhanger of last week when she's walking up to the hotel room with the with gorilla in hand, we know what happens or we can surmise what happens. But the fact that they don't show us and just rely on the audience's perception of what happened is probably some of the strongest storytelling of this team where I'm like, oh, you trust your audience. And I think that's a really great way to approach this show. Gwen, when she's confronting Bob on the beach in Majorca, it's all through this metaphor. Yeah. You know, she does not talk to him with actual facts about the infidelities mm-hmm. in their relationship. She uses this metaphor of it being a scene, a scene that's been played before. You've skipped the part. Let's move on to the line where you say this, which is so brilliant and so insidery. I wonder. Well, it's so cutting. I hope everybody gets it because it's really. It, it does sound like these people. How these people would talk because theater is their vernacular. Yes. Right. Yes, that is one hundred. That's where I was going to go. I was like, it's so cutting because this is their language. Their lives are so entwined with their industry that this is how she can get to him most. I also feel like that scene, the beach scene. Uh huh. Could be like the Oscar nomination scene that they play when they're like Michelle Williams as Gwen Verdon in the imaginary Fosse oh, sure, sure, movie. Sure, sure, sure. You yeah. know, it's like the 11 o'clock scene that would take us into the final moments of the movie. And yet here it is in episode two yeah. of an eight part series. Like we're getting like whammed with the conflict. Yeah. Joan Simon is the ride or die of our dreams. <laughs> She's go for it. Tell me. I just, I mean, I mean, there's nothing to say. I mean, from episode one and then this episode, like, that's the best friend we all want, man. This relationship is arguably in two episodes, the strongest one in the show. Funny you say that because I don't disagree, but I feel like Joan McCracken is so dropped in. Susie Meisner, the actor who plays Joan McCracken, is like so real. I feel like from that very first moment we see her in the bed and she's like, oh yeah, how late is it? I didn't realize Yes, I was doing crossword puzzles. Like she is not acting. Oh no, not at all. She is just being. I'm like, who is this woman? She's friggin' amazing. And of course she's a Broadway vet. She was a dancer on Broadway in Guys and Dolls. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. How to succeed. Sure. She was in the Chicago movie. Uh Like she's like... And she doesn't dance a lick in this show. <laughs> uh-huh. But man, she is so dropped into a reality. I mean, Joan McCracken scenes. We'll get to the we'll get to the bathroom scene in a minute. They're cracking. <laughs> nice. Ba-dum ching. There you are. Yeah. Let's let's go back to our thesi. Is the multiple is the plural of thesis? No, theses. Thesi? There's one thesis, two theses. I graduated from college, friends, and Aaron I did not dropped out twice. <laughs> This is where we are. Uh-huh. All right. Our first thesis of Fosse Verdon is the question of Bob being the puppet master or Gwen. Yeah. 
And what I think is interesting is that this episode very clearly takes us back to the time when Gwen was the puppet master. Yeah, she was the head honcho for sure. Gwen is sitting across from Hal Prince at the diner, just came off of her first Tony win of the decade for Can Can, Mm -hmm. right? She's the star. Yes. Right? Yes, she is. She is. And yes, there's like male female dynamics going on of like, I'm a woman, you're the, Hal is a man, Hal is the producer, but you definitely feel like she she's bringing some ego into the well, world. Well, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, I, and I think the energy around the diner scene. Yes, I feel like just time period, all of those dynamics exist. But this feels like a meeting of equals where he's telling her, like, what's going on with the show. She's, like, giving approval and not giving approval. And when he brings up this newcomer, Bobby Fosse, she's like, what happened to Jerry? Jerry Robbins, Jerome Robbins. (laughs) She's on a first-name basis with all of these, like, musical theater icons. And she's on par with all these people. And she's like, who's this kid? What this scene establishes is her strength and her power dynamic within the environment that this industry is at that time. Like she, of course, like Mm -hmm. argument could be made that she's never going to say like, get rid of him. Like she doesn't have that kind of power because this is a white cis male industry in 1955, still arguably in 2020. But like- We don't have to argue about that. That's fine. (laughs) But like- she know like she knows who she is. She knows the power she wields, and she has learned how to navigate the system in which she finds herself in what is equivalent to like Galaxy Diner with Hal Prince. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. And then, and then we get to this audition scene. The, this audition it's scene, which is so good, remarkable. It's so good. <laughs> Price of like a monthly subscription to FX alone. <laughs> this scene is worth that. Like, it's so good. There's like two scenes happening at the same time, right? There's the audition, but there's these like two very dropped in characters that have goals and tactics and they're not showing their cards. Well, the power struggle is palpable in the room. I mean, even just the fact that like Gwen begins, like she opens, she walks in and she's like, I love your wife. (laughs) Like it's, it's these two titans asserting dominance. First thing Gwen says when she walks in the room is, I love your wife. Second thing she says is, I didn't see your show. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm like, damn, this is a woman who knows what she's doing. I was really struck by the moment in which she takes her pants off. Like she is not there to play, right? She's come in her like in her dance clothes under her street clothes. Mm -hmm. And she's basically like talking to him while taking her clothes off Mm -hmm. in front of him. And yes, that's like a thing we do in theater, but also it is like a power play. I, I thought, Oh, 100%. The fact that she was basically like revealing her instrument and strength and her sexuality to him, like, and like dangling it in front of him. Yeah. And then that continues as they're learn as she's learning the choreography where she's learning it and judging it (laughs) and mocking it like all at the same time, which moves from this judgment to like a playing thing where she's like saying that she's making it better. Like it happens so slyly. You don't see the specific beats that they're playing. It all just just melts together. Yes. I mean, we could have like four hours analyzing this scene alone, but like, 
it's such a beautiful and meaty scene that you basically have their entire courtship in one scene. And just the more you dig into the scene, the more revelatory it is. Good job, Stephen Levinson. Proud of you. I know. Uh, It's so good. Speaking of power dynamics, Mm -hmm. that bathroom scene with Joe McCracken and Gwen Verdon is incredible. My God. Well, uh, yes, 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 yes. Well, because we've seen Gwen be this powerful person, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like shown that she can like play through a system that she understands with Halprins. She is strong, but willing to let her guard down, but still understands the game Mm -hmm. in this audition room. But then this bathroom scene, it's like she doesn't even understand that she's being played until it's too late. Joan is so nice Mm -hmm. to her, is sort of leading her down this path to bring Gwen closer to her and closer to her, make her feel good and safe, right? She's giving her these compliments. You capture every little quirk with this choreography. I'd say it's like watching him up there, but it's more like watching what he wishes he was. Mm -hmm. And then the next step, Joan says, that's what Bobby does. He takes what makes a girl special and he makes it his own. And you don't know, wait, are you talking about yourself and how he became your husband or are you talking about Gwen? And then like the final moment where Joan says, all he ever wanted was to be a star. Pause. I guess he thought I could make him one. Well, maybe you'll do better. Boom. Like, boom. What? Like, I mean, just a... Bob Fosse's wife basically just like handing over Bob and being like, I'm not going to win this. I've seen this scene played out before. Oh, it's so good because also it's this, The power struggle echoes the first audition scene, but it's also like this revelation that, oh no, you guys weren't screwing over Joan McCracken. She's a player too. Yeah. And you've just been made aware of that when you thought you were duping this sick woman. Mm -hmm. But nah, she's been here. She's been playing this game longer than you have, Gwen. And now she's tired. (laughs) And Gwen... Uh, I mean, like, so let's. Th- this brings us to the second thesis point, which is: Can you love someone and despise them for the exact same thing? Yeah. Wh- where do you see that? We're talking about Bob and Gwen, and that's rampant in this show, and that's what's fascinating about this. But her conversation with Joan Simon on the beach is the most revealing thing because they're talking about troubles in their marriage. And Joan, when talking about her dynamic with Neil, tells her a story about her and Neil's relationship and then finishes with, frankly, I think Neil was relieved when I stopped dancing. It meant he never had to play wife at a cocktail party ever again. Gwen like flinches and is like, and you don't miss it dancing? And Joan, again, the best ride or die you could ever have, is, well, I was never Gwen Verdon. <laughs> Gwen was like, see, I don't understand that. And, and Joan is like, well, I wasn't you. Well, yeah, the, in, in the self-identity pyramid, mm-hmm. Joan is a wife first. Mm-hmm. Gwen is can't not. make sense of that. No, right. is not. She is not. And that's where I think the bathroom scene with Joan. Joan McCracken. Joan McCracken, yes. Too many Jones. Too many Jones. Changing my major. That's why the bathroom scene with Joan McCracken feels like a double hit to Gwen. Because every other woman has said, I've put my husband ahead of my own ambition. I mean, th- I mean, culturally, that's what happens. But like it reveals 
that this is a pattern of Bob romantically, but also he has also stolen her identity as a dancer. Hmm. Everything that now she is and does and is attached to now has his name on it. It's what you said at the beginning. We think about Jerry Robbins and Hal Prince and Bob Fosse as these theater icons. Uh And yes, I'm sure there's some gender that plays into that, but because they were the quote-unquote creators, they're the ones who get named as having the legacy, Uh right? Yeah. Bob is now the leech that is attached to her stardom and is... Uh, like a parasite is leeching that off of her. And on one hand, like, is he stealing it? Or did Gwen give it away? We start with her at the diner being the king of the mountain, Mm -hmm. being the queen of the mountain. And now she is not only sharing that throne, she's now placed in a position where she is acquiescing that throne to this man that she thinks she loves. That Not that she thinks she loves. She She does love him. But there's all this muck weaved into it. And it has led us to a beach on Mallorca. It is fun. Listen. It's a song about pain. Bobby, listen to the lyrics. They're not going to hear that. They're not going to hear anything. They'll be too busy looking at you. And you'll be smiling so wide. You'll be dancing so magnificently. They'll think it's a musical. And you'll know. And I'll know. That's what we do, though, isn't it? We take what hurts and we turn it into a big gag. And we're singing and we're dancing. The audience, they're yucking it up. They're laughing so hard. They don't realize that all they're laughing at is a person in agony, a person who's peeled off his own skin. The moment that we see Gwen hand over that power or publicly acknowledge she's going to give over that power is that hotel moment where Bob comes up to her room late at night. Gwen's mm-hmm. current husband, Scott Brady, great last name, is like... <laughs> husband or boyfriend? I think they're just dating. Nevertheless, great last name. Gwen pushes him aside and is like, I will come. I will be there. Yes. And yes, that's a sense of, I want to save the show. I want to do whatever the show needs. But there also is a sense of, Bob is coming in the middle of the night to take you away from your boyfriend. And you're like, yes, where do yeah. I go? That's a ride or die move. That's like, I'm there for you and only you. And then we get this great scene. I wonder how true this is, this creation of who's got the pain. I mean, it's probably, it's inspired by probably. Jeff Blumenkrantz, the lovely Jeff Blumenkrantz, um, <laughs> is playing a character that is not named either of the names of the composers of Dan- Yankees. So like, who sure, are sure, you? Sure, sure, yeah. In a show where so many people are named after very real people. Very real people, for sure. But this feeling of they've been up all night. I don't know if they've been up all night. I assume they've been up all night. It looks like it. It's daylight outside at this point. Yeah. Right. And they're trying to figure out what to do. And Bob gets inspired by this thought of the mambo. Gwen's like, we can't do this. It's like a painful song. Listen to the lyrics. And Bob says, nah, 
we can. And here's why. He says they're not going to be listening to the lyrics. He says, that's what we do, isn't it? We take what hurts and we turn it into a big gag. And we're singing and we're dancing and the audience is yucking it up. They're laughing so hard they don't realize all they're doing is laughing at a person in agony. A person who's peeling off their own skin. Uh, And you're like, oh wait, this show is about the devil and selling your soul to the devil. Oh wait. (laughs) This is a real thing. uh, Um, I love that this is the second episode. Because the first episode, we literally talked about the opposite of this. Last episode, like she has this discussion about how we're not here for escapist stuff anymore. We're here for the truth. And now we're in a place where the escapist stuff is still truth. It's just with this sheen over it to hide it from what we're actually doing. To hide us from what we're actually doing from the audience. This is theater. This is when this show has a freaking romper room magnifying glass into our souls as artists. (laughs) It's like... We all want to be creating theater that means something, right? That is is engaging, but says something more truthful about the human experience. And what the show is positing is that you don't get to find that truth of the human experience if you aren't willing to play in the dark corners of the human experience. Compelling theater is born out of human experience, and the most compelling theater is born out of human pain. And that's what this show through Bob is positing. And it's being told by this happy-ass song thrown in at the 11th hour. Just beautifully performed by Ryan Vandenboom and Michelle Williams. Just oh, 100%. Love, like really high quality high, yes. performance. High caliber. And we see so much of it too. Oh, yeah. I definitely appreciate that about the numbers in Fosse Verdon is that it's, it's letting us watch them mm-hmm. as extended pieces so that we sort of can understand not only where they fit into the weight of this television miniseries, but where they landed in their original productions as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the perfect context to the truths that this show is revealing. <laughs> it's, ah, it's so good. keep up to date with next week's recap be sure to watch episode three of fossey verdon me and my baby you can find episodes on hulu the ensemblist was produced today by me mo brady and by me aaron albano there are two great ways you can be helping the ensemblist right now one is by leaving us a rating and review on apple podcasts and the second is by becoming a patreon member at patreon.com slash the ensemblist please follow the ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts on spotify apple podcasts or at bpn.fm the home of broadway podcast network you can also follow us on instagram thanks for listening everyone until next time Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.